So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. Hello, and welcome to Everyday Connection, with your hosts, Rico Shields and Jean Victoria Norlock, bringing your inner light to your everyday life. Hello, and welcome to Everyday hey. Connection, with your hosts, Rico Shields and Jean Victoria Norlock. Bring your inner light. That echo from the uh, show coming through the computer. <laughs> I knew it was coming. Come on. You know how? If you can either close the show page or uh, mute the player. Yes. Ah. There we go. That's that echo I was talking about. Just to let everybody know, we we didn't get our usual, uh, you know, 10 minutes to chat and explain everything before the show tonight because we had some, well, it's hard to to say that we had some uncertainty because we were all certain. We were just had different certainties. Uh, So (laughs) uh, we're going to, we're going to have fun tonight, but that's actually, I, Gene never likes to prepare much, so. We don't tell anybody much when we talk to them in advance, right, Jean? No, no, no. And tonight we're not even telling people who we are. Yeah, I well, noticed. I, I, <laughs> I figure we can get back to welcome now that it's quiet. You know. <laughs> oh, you know, goodness gracious. The dreaded welcome, everybody, to this Thursday edition of Everyday Connection. Is that one? That one? Mm, yeah, the radio show man I'm, voice. I, welcome, everybody, to this Thursday edition of Everyday Connection. Okay, now I feel better. You feel better? Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. I'm Rick. <laughs> That's Jean. I'm Jean. <laughs> Over there. <clears throat> uh, so how are you, Jean? I'm fantastic, Rick. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Awesome. We're going to have a great time tonight. We've got some great guests with us uh, and some of their music that we're going to play. So we will have a blast. Have no fear. <laughs> Uh, spirits never let us down. That's we never plan questions or anything, and we always get to the right spot. So here we go. Um, first, we'd like to give a shout out to our friends and family over at Inner Child, Inner Child Magazine, starting up at the first of next month. Um, but the family is the real benefit to me, um, and uh, the real yummy for me, over at uh, InnerChild.ning. That's N-I-N-G dot com. Great group of folks, very supportive of uh, any creative artist. Um, and um, uh, from poets to singers to prose writers to, uh, uh, well, you can just look at Inner Child Magazine. We have everything from food to fashion to entertainment to the tech guy. That's that's going to be me. Uh 
one of my previous career lifetimes, I was a tech guy. Um, and uh, even the community of humanity, which will be our dear Gene, um, who we hope we don't have to call 911 for. <laughs> I'm a little choking. And uh, hang in there. You good. I'm good. All right. We can do I'm this. Good. No problem. <laughs> so, Ina V and Howard Lip are with us. Hey, guys. Hello. Hello. Hi there. <laughs> How y'all doing? Great. Fabulous. Excellent. Thank you for having us on your show today. Oh, well, we're thrilled that you could join us. Um, Ina and, and Howard are both musicians, uh, among many other things. Uh, uh, you know, what, are, what did we call ourselves before, Gene? Uh, I have no idea what you're talking about because I've never been a musician. Oh, no, <laughs> that whole light worker thing. Oh. 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 Fairly driven, overachieving light workers. That that thing that we're trying to do away with, I guess. Overachieving, like, overachieving light workers. Yeah, type A personality life, light workers. Right. I I would I would say that they just really like playing in the sandbox. I mean, that's just my that's what, take on on the issue. <laughs> so so we'll, you want to kick us off? Yeah, we'll cut right to the chase, guys. Who on earth are you? And what do you do? <laughs> Well, we make music, and uh, our music is our medicine, and we weave mantras into our music and medicine, and we just got back from being on the road for nine months. Um, we, last April, gave up our home and most of our belongings and um, decided to go all out and travel and tour and play in festivals and various venues up and down the West Coast and Florida and Hawaii and um, bringing our music and our message and and our passion of music as a as a healing modality and a prayer uh, an opportunity for prayer and um, meditation and celebration and uh, we both write and co-write and collaborate Howard's a producer and um, engineer and um, we just got married last year and we've been together for four years writing and performing and um, sharing our passion together and it's been quite an adventure no doubt it sounds like a ton of fun um, and yeah. I know people would think I'm crazy to say that but yeah you're living the dream i leave it all behind and get your butt on the road and go experience life. Cause I think that's what that whole being here to live thing is all about. Yeah. <laughs> and some, some people, sorry, go ahead, hon. Oh no, I was just going to say it's definitely, um, it has its highs and lows. You know, we ended up basically traveling out of our car and staying with friends and new friends along the way. And sometimes people would say, wow, it's so amazing what you guys are doing. And then I'd say, yeah, come over and check out our car. You know? <laughs> See the un- unglamorous side of things. Right, our tour Volvo, the very glamorous road vehicle that we've been gallivanting around the countryside with. With our 12-year-old uh, White Shepherd, um, 
along the way, but um, it's definitely, you know, sounds it's, more it's sounds more fun to us that aren't act, weren't actually doing it. Is what you what, what you think? Well, you know, yeah. it had its moments of magic and beauty and profound awakenings, and it had its moments of nail clenching, um, frustration, and uh, moments of fear, and you know, moments of we don't know where we're staying tonight, moments of we didn't get paid. Um, you know, uh, just betrayal on some level, uh, celebration on other. I mean, you know, it was yeah. the gamut. It was the whole, it was the whole spectrum. And um, so I, I called the tour the demystification tour because it definitely demystified <laughs> a lot of the hype, you know. And at the same time, we met some really beautiful people and made new fans and new friends and um, and learned how to open our eyes and hearts to the magic of the everyday. Really? Well, we like that everyday magic thing. Yes, we do. <laughs> we do. We want we want everybody to try it every day. Absolutely. Uh, I know um, the touring isn't for everybody, but it has been for so many greats, hasn't it? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a good way to get the music out, especially as independent, small independent artists like us. You know, we are self-produced and... Um, are distributed by our own label, and um, so we, you know, there's a little bit more of a footwork on the grassroots level. Um, and touring is not for everyone. Sometimes we didn't even know if it was for us. <laughs> 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 but um, but we definitely, you know, full time. We were nine months full bore. Um, we've decided to, you know, learn from that experience and tour differently this year. Tour a little more condense our touring to a couple weeks on and a couple weeks off and do it a little more sustainably for ourselves and our, our health and just our everyday overall well-being. Um, Cause it gets tough. It gets really tough traveling full time. Um, I, I bet it does. It makes me think of uh, Wayne Dyer taking off in his station wagon filled with books in the back. So he couldn't even sleep in the back of his station wagon cause it was full of books. So <laughs> But he went to every little town and radio station that would have him, and that was uh, before you had any assistance from the internet or any of those things. It was that's got to be pretty crazy. Went all the way around the country. So, uh, congratulations for getting to the other <laughs> side. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's it's crazy, it's maddening, it's frightening, and it has been tremendously enriching. It's been an education in what really matters and the magic in just being together and doing what we love. For people sometimes willing to hear it, sometimes not interested. <laughs> yeah, we definitely see how much we love each other <laughs> because um, I don't know how many couples could go through what we did and still come out on the other side loving each other more than when we started. But um, we definitely have been a support for each other and uh, in our love of what we do and our love of our mission to bring our music with a message out to to the communities that will that will share in our in our passion is really what drives us and it's definitely a calling because our our wagon was similar to Wayne's wagon <laughs> there's no room to sleep it had all our gear and our few belongings and our dog and um we never slept once in our car in nine months. So there was just no space that so we had to get really creative. And I think we stayed in a hotel twice in nine months. So we really were, um, 
you know, hosted by lovely people or stayed in festivals, uh, campgrounds and things like that. Um, but had had quite a, quite an incredible time, and and now we're back here in Topanga Canyon, which is just north of Los Angeles and in a beautiful mountainous small community. And um, we just finished setting up our recording studio, and we're going to start working on all these great inspirational and creative song ideas that we got from being on the road. <laughs> Very cool. But you get to you get to rest and know where you're going to yeah. sleep tonight while you're doing it. Yeah. That's going to be nice. That is a gift. Yeah, the gift was getting our fabulous bed out of storage and actually putting it in a place and being able to sleep in the same one every night. Yeah. We've come to appreciate really honestly the small things of of life and realizing how little we really need um, to be fulfilled and, and, and also learning what we need to be sustained and to be taking care of ourselves and having healthy self-care. And um, because the vision can always be so in some ways glorious and, and, and magnanimous. And then the reality is the everyday step-by-step living life. And um, sometimes those two don't always line up. So, um, but you got to take risks and jump out and see how how your passion fits with life. And um, that's been that's been the adventure for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and another part of the adventure has been about learning that um, when we were in a home with a big studio set up and we had all our stuff around us. You know, it felt like comfort and security, but it it really wasn't. It it represented something else, and it represented a high-maintenance or a higher-maintenance life than than what we had on the road. And and living simply and seeing magic in what really brings us joy and satisfaction and and finding out that it's not as complicated as we once believed um, has been very liberating. But it has to be. I've, I have shrunk my life, uh, simplified my life uh, in the last, uh, over the last few years, but uh, not quite, not quite that radically. But I, I think it's true. We 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 begin to associate, you know, safety and comfort with things, and it uh, they could all disappear tomorrow. Uh, one of the things I, I said to people along the road was, um, you know, I was grateful for people who still had their homes because we stayed with them. And, you know, it's not necessarily the answer, I don't think, for everyone. Um, but we, we certainly met a lot of people, especially in this economic climate, of people who had left their homes and, and converted vans and and um, different travel vehicles. And we're looking, you know, certainly on on the fringes of, of mainstream society, but we're we're doing things in a you know alternative way, and um, and we're very happy. And it, sometimes when you're in a place where you feel like you're stuck, um, just taking small steps to to shift. It doesn't mean you have to get out of your house or make a, a huge. Um, change in your life but your small small changes can really make a significant 
shift. And, um, you know, we noticed towards the end of our tour that we were really wanting a place to call home and a place to rest our heads and our hearts and and just be restored in a way that over time we just we couldn't find even in even when we were hosted by lovely people it was it was just you know we needed to have our own space so uh, it's definitely though I, I would I would suggest it to anyone and everyone I've done it a few times in my life actually where I've just let it all go and and gone traveling or speaking, um, performing, touring, and uh, it's always been life um, expanding, you know. And the most alive I've felt is is the, has been those moments. So, so has it changed your perception of what home is? You know, I remember this really dear friend of mine said to me, you know, I feel like this trip is going to be, this this particular tour is going to show you where home really is. And, um, yeah, I think I think it is. Home for us is, um, of course, being together, um, creating our music, um, performing our music, and also being around family and community, um, whether it's our closest friends and family or our community that's expanding through our fans and uh, the, the new um, venues and, and the towns that we've been playing in. Um, definitely, you know, at Rick, what you were saying earlier is what what our comforts or what, what causes us to feel um, or give us a sense of security. And I, that was definitely up on on the table for me for almost the whole time because a lot of our travels were about um you know we we book we book ourselves we we do everything ourselves right now so there's a lot to do and then when you're on the road it's it's even more challenging because you don't always have internet connection or you know we're driving nine ten hours and we're exhausted and we arrive somewhere and we're playing either that night or the next day or you know so um, it definitely brought up what is home, you know, for sure. And um, and I think we're even in that place, I know I'll speak for myself, that I'm in a place right now where I'm like, we've just landed, and it's sort of, the question is, okay, now what? You know, we've just been so used to being on the road and going, going, going. There's that transition of landing and and sort of receiving rest and allowing the energy to change a little bit into not doing so much or being out there so much, but kind of pulling in. And it's perfect time to do that. It's the winter, you know. Yeah. Time yes. to go in. The uh, the in breath and the out breath. Yeah. So it's it's been so rich. Um, we've had such an incredible time sharing our music and um, and our message, which is you know all about connecting to who you really are and connecting to source. And, um, you know, we have a couple different projects we work on. One of them is our Earth Prayer Project, and, and that is, you know, giving back to a nonprofit called thewaterproject.org. And um, it's just, you know, it's so empowering and inspiring to share what you love what I love, what we love, with with others. 
and um, it's one thing to make music, which is its own beauty, and then it becomes alive when you share it in front of an audience. It takes on a whole different form and life. And um, and then to hear people singing your music and, and, and see how they've taken it into their own lives and hearts is so, so uh, rewarding and humbling in many ways. Um, it's just, you know, really been a profound process. And to have Howard with me, who's had 25 years of experience in the music industry, um, he's kind of been watching me go through my first year of touring and um, – I wouldn't have been able to do it without him and, and the support of having a partner and in, in so many different ways that we share our lives and our work together. So we feel very blessed. Well, let's go back to, if you don't mind, sorry, I'm just curious how um, how you got started, how you met, and how music became such a big part of your life. Well, yeah, I, I, um, Howard has been working and working in the music industry much longer than I have. Yeah, absolutely. I, I started playing music when I was a kid. It just started to come out. And, um, you know, how I met Ina, um, is an interesting story. I was actually working on a record for a mutual friend of ours. Um, and uh, we had a large recording session with Govindas and Rada were recording a live Kirtan record at my studio. And Ina was one of the people that came in to sing with 37 other people. And we really didn't get a chance to connect at that time. But uh, we did meet for a minute. And um, she'd been looking around to work with a producer. And our friend, our mutual friend Govindas kept saying to her, come meet Howard. I'm working with him on a record. You should meet him. And so finally one day... Um, she took him up on his suggestion and showed up in my studio and I just knew this was trouble because she walked through the door and I was just both impressed with her presence and her energy. And there was just something I knew that was very compelling there. And uh, the following um, Monday she came in and we recorded the first of, of her songs for the album that would be called Now From Within. And it just brought tears to my eyes, the spirit, her heart. And um, we were very professional. In my entire career, I've never gotten involved with a client um, for, for lots of obvious reasons and some not so obvious. But about two months into it, we'd finished all the tracks, that uh, the musical tracks for the, for the record and, and had all the scratch vocals down. And it was sounding quite fabulous. And that's, uh, that's when we knew it was more than just um, more than than just a partnership in in a business sense of making a record as producer and artist, um, it became a romance during the celebration of completion of the the first step of making the record, and uh, it's been an incredible journey ever since. That's awesome. Very cool. We just, um, I, I think I mentioned this earlier, but we um, we traveled a lot together. We, we went down to Peru a couple years ago and, and got engaged down in Machu Picchu. And um, we got married actually a couple times this year, once in Hawaii and once here with all our family and friends. And um, 
it's definitely, as Howard was saying, you know, in the beginning, um, when we were working together, it was one of those really powerful collaborative projects and um, relationships. But um, I definitely had ha- had worked with a few other producers in my search for finding someone to do this album, and uh, there had been some, you know, some. Uh, I don't know how to say it, but just it had been unclear, really, the nature of the relationship on the other side of things. And for me, when I came to meet Howard, I just I felt like I was a horse with blinders on. I was like, I just want to focus on the project. And um, but it was something we couldn't really deny as we got deeper into into creating together. Um, there was also a lot of healing going on. It just in terms of you know making an album is very. It can be very intimate and soul revealing, and we just got to know each other, and there was such a safe container and um, and such a loving container that we just knew this was the beginning of something of so of, of something more and bigger than we originally you know came to, into an agreement about. So, and we're still you know it's interesting we've been promoting Ina V music and. Um, and have a couple albums, and we have a couple more we're going to be releasing this year and next. Um, and, and the fact that we went on tour together, kind of as a duo, picking up musicians on the road, um, you know, we're still in the process right now of, of integrating and weaving Howard into what we do, because what we do is really um, shared between the two of us. Um and I write most of the songs, and we've been starting to collaborate a lot more on on songwriting. And um, and we and Howard does most of the musical and instrumental production. Um, and so it's just been this organic unfolding, and um, it's been exciting to watch because this just continues to show us. You never really know what's going to happen in life <laughs> until you. So you go for it, and that's beautiful because there's no surrendering to the bigness of it all. And the magic. Absolutely. That's where I think the, the, the magic really comes out to show itself is, is in the – when you just dive in uh, and take off like that. Uh, I'm excited to hear the uh, results of that, this next album. I bet that's going to be – Really good, but so you're talking about the the first album, and uh, I know we loaded up three songs from there um, that we have available this evening. But I was kind of thinking about uh, when you were talking about being on the road and really learning what matters and what doesn't matter and what's really home. Uh, I kept coming to mind your your song "Ashes to Ashes." Uh, oh, nice. You want to tell us a little bit about that that song, and then uh, we'll play it for everybody. Sure. Yeah, this, this song is really special to me because um, it's one of the handful of songs on the album that kind of came, um, I call them complete. Um, I was at a gathering at a party at a friend of mine. It's like a home gathering, and there were musicians there and poets and uh, people making raw chocolate, and it was just this really in, in Venice, California, you know, very uh, bohemian gathering. And um, I sat down and started playing 
music for about an hour or so with some other drummers. And fortunately, I had a recording device with me because I just started singing this song, Ashes to Ashes, and um, what you hear on the recording is exactly what came through in in that just spontaneous moment. Um, so I consider it to be a gift um, of a song, and it's really just about acknowledging um, the impermanence of being a human and also, you know, that the that we all recycle back, our bodies go back to the earth and our spirits go back to the larger consciousness and that in the meantime when we're here in this body that we're here to discover and explore and express who we really are um, in our soul essence. And so it's kind of a reflective song of of my own family and and also light the bigger stories that are happening in life and, and so it's very meaningful to me because of that reason I didn't sit down and just pen this song it just kind of came through um, and so I feel really grateful to have been open in that moment to it wow That's okay ashes to ashes. <laughs> so here we go folks with ashes to ashes uh, we'll be back uh, right after the song Stay with us.
Okay, that was Ashes to Ashes. Quite a piece to just spontaneously uh, flow like that. Must have been amazing. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's definitely... Um, I think I'm coming to realize that it's a gift because it happens every now and then. And um, I've just come to learn to keep my recording, my handheld recorder around. And also I have to say that musically, it's a lot of the music that we did on the From Within album, you know, I came in with me and my guitar. And so all of the um, flesh that's put on the bones, as I say it, was, was really done by Howard music, musically and, and our collaboration in, in the studio together. So the song really came to life in a, in a powerful way that um, I couldn't have done by myself, for sure. <laughs> so. Sort of the uh, wandering minstrel and uh, runs across uh, the rest of the orchestra. Got the band back together. <laughs> right. <laughs> we finally found each other. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was too cute. Okay. Well, um, I was sort of in an awe moment. That's uh, you know, it is a gift, and uh, uh, we all have our gift. Uh, it's not the same for all of us because we're not all the same. But uh, that really is what we're about around here at Everyday Connection is is trying to uh, talk to as many awesome folks as we can that are pursuing their passion because this is the sort of thing that happens. Um, amazing stuff. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting your response because um, we've had a few people respond after our shows that way, Rick. <laughs> not not sure what to say and um, definitely transported. And, and I, I really feel like that's what our, our um, intention is about, is to create a space where people can come in. We invite people to come into a container, so to speak, in our shows and in our gatherings that we do and um, so that they can feel... Um, not only safe but inspired to listen and perhaps express their own gifts. You know, it's not just about come to our show and listen to our music. Um, it's about come to this experience and hopefully you will leave inspired to be more of who you are. Um, so... We like to call our performances in, on some level like a prayer performance or something because we really don't feel like we're up there or disconnected from the audience. We like to create a space where it's, it's a dialogue, not necessarily a monologue. And I think that's, just, that's how I feel with writing music, that I'm in a dialogue with my spirit self or with source or with creator or God or however we all relate to that which is bigger than who I am or what I am. And when I'm in dialogue, it's, it's a back and forth. Um, when I'm in monologue, sometimes it can get really boring. <laughs> 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 um, so, you know, it's that dance of, of wanting to express myself and at the same time wanting to listen 
what's wanting to be expressed. Um, and I think that's a dance really of being an artist on any in any medium is is you know putting my own unique spin on things and at the same time tuning into the the larger story or the more expanded conversation and definitely meeting Howard was a was an was um a lesson for me the challenge in the beginning because I didn't want my songs I was really protective of my songs you know um but as I began to trust and and really get into the experience of what it was what it meant to be a recording artist I really began to see that collaborating can be so beautiful and um well, for me, I love the experience of working with an artist who's never, never really recorded before because it's just, it's such an opportunity for me to create a space uh, for their best to come out and um, to support that in whatever way I can. And, um, and it was, it's been beautiful watching Ina unfold from being um, her and her guitar um, playing it at, at parties and gatherings and and blossom into this incredible performer who brings this vibration and this energy and this message through on the vibration of the music that we create underneath it that has such power to take people inward um, and to give them a space where they feel safe enough and open enough to get more in touch with who they are. So it becomes more of a group experience, as Nina was saying before, than it is a performance. And it's beautiful to experience, and it, it's fun to be up there with her, um, watching this weaving and this unfolding as a room full of people step deeper and deeper into the vibration of what we we create musically and what she brings both lyrically and melodically and with the spirit that is just so incredibly rich and deep and loving within her. Well, and I think that being more of who you are, being your authentic self, um, just sort of gives people at a at an unspoken level permission to do the same. And uh, uh, so it is. I I, I see a, a move towards that in a lot of the musicians that we've had on. That that, that it's a, a more of an experience and less of a concert, a performance. Yeah. Performance sounds so. I don't know. White tie and tails. Little white. <laughs> little white gloves. Well, there's a, there's a separation. I think that can that sometimes happens and, um, you know, a disconnect in a way like the, the musicians are up there or separate from, you know, up four or five feet from the audience up on a stage, you know, and, um, and that's so that people can see them too, of course, and, and be heard. Um, but definitely it, it, it can also be a platform to really create a different kind of um, experience and I, I agree with you. I think I think we're moving in that direction, um, at least in different uh, communities of music that I've been seeing. Um, you know, I don't know about maybe major mainstream music, but it's 
I'm sure it's, it's on the way to overlapping and, and hopefully coming into more mainstream as well. Oh, I think One so. The, I hope so. Yeah. But I, I think yeah. so because it, it wasn't on the Internet and it wasn't on YouTube, but the small little venues and the uh, almost roving bands of people in a new movement in music, uh, that always seems to be where it started, uh, where it starts. Uh, uh, but, yeah, I feel uh, like in many ways, you know, 30, 40 years ago, what was going on in the 60s and 70s is in some ways starting to reemerge now, but just with a different platform. You know, the 60s and 70s had so many great musicians and artists who were singing such a powerful message, whether it's political or environmental or spiritual. Um, and it was also in such a, a, a charged time that in many ways it, this huge opening happened and then it got shut. Um, and I feel like it's kind of re-emerging with many different artists singing about, you know, spirituality political activism, environmental awareness. Um, but I think that what could, didn't have its foundation 30 years ago or so has kind of come back around now with a little bit more um, groundedness and so that it can come through in a way that can really be heard and not just um, directed at one group of people or one movement of people can infiltrate more into a variety of communities. I mean, we we are not kirtan musicians, but we have sung in many different festivals and yoga studios, singing mantras in in many different languages. And um, I heard about this band recently who was like a punk rock mantra band, you know. Um, So it's the last genre, I think, I would think that that mantras would be in, but it's you know it's happening there too. So I I think it's, it's exciting because um, people are taking these beautiful and ancient mantras, or they're writing songs about more introspective or active um, <coughs> activism, and they're taking them into not just folk or not just spiritual new age, but they're taking them into different genres. And I think that's great because it will have more of a, a, a wider appeal. Than um, I think it's amazing. I saw a video uh, just yesterday on YouTube. It was on my one of my subscription channels. Uh, I subscribed to the person that was being interviewed, but it was an excellent interview, first part of four, uh, uh, where it's a British heavy metal band that's interviewing Graham Hancock about archaeology mm. <laughs> and and uh, you know ancient uh peoples and uh spirituality and they're talking about source and inner self and I was just like yeah see yeah well I think I think honestly it's gotten to the point where technology has completely um destroyed how we have been told to look at music. I mean, now we have this opportunity to find artists from around the world, and certainly one of um, one of my other half's favorite favorite artists is is Russian, and we can't understand a thing the, the guy says. But you know, I mean, it's 
his, his sound is just so powerful that you can't help but love his music. And I think it has changed the dynamics of the relationship between listeners and the artists. And I think it's empowered the artists to be able to step into the truth of their art, as opposed to having to adhere to um, adhere to whatever is popular or whatever those in the music business are citing as being sellable. Because it's all sellable with, with new technologies, you can sell it anywhere in the world. And you'll find you'll find listeners for it, and I think it's changed the dynamics of the art industry of any industry. Like long live the indie artist, thanks to modern technology. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're you're right on about that. I think that the fact that the internet has caused the death of the music industry was was more about the fact that the music industry was being operated in a, a particular model of how you market music through the radio and how you drive traffic to the record store. And um, the consumers were being fed whatever they were being fed by the radio, and the Internet changed all of that. And what we've really found is that there's much more, many more faces uh, to popular music than what the radio has taught us about pop music, and that consumers um, have a far wider range of tastes and preferences when it comes to what they'd like to listen to. As you're saying, a heavy metal band interviewing about archaeology or a punk band doing mantra. Well, in fact, you know, some of the greatest pop music, Michael Jackson, some of the hooks in his songs, Earth, Wind, and Fire, were actually very much mantra. They were very much repetitive, repeating a line to a melody where a message gets in. And I think music is, is evolving in that way because people are able to source music from all over the world and you get what it's about even if you don't necessarily understand the language you can certainly feel the vibration and the message of it yeah it's it's yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing so um we're going to do uh some mantra music uh here shortly but this has been making me think of uh from the your First album again, uh, Channels of Creation, about rising and growing and uh, and weaving together. Uh, I see the internet doing that. Uh, communities are coming together, even if they're thousands of miles apart, by vibration instead of by politics or na- nationality or some other artificial construct. <laughs> So t- tell us a little bit about Channels of Creation. Where, where'd that one come from? Well, Channels of Creation, um, I was down in on Venice Beach. There was a full moon lunar eclipse going on, and uh, this friend of mine invited me and a few people down to, to view the, the moon. And the moon came over the uh, the ocean and turned this really dark red, Beet, almost beet red color. It was so beautiful and just um, eclipsed and eclipsed me. <laughs> um, and I, I went home that night. It was about three in the morning that the eclipse happened. And um, I rode my bike home after and uh, stayed up. I didn't go to sleep that night and um, wrote this really kind of long poem about it and uh, took the poem to a a poetry reading 
and read the poem. And as I was reading the poem out loud, I kept returning to the part in the song that's now the hook or the chorus. And, um, and I saw that there was a song being formed out of this poem. And so uh, Channels of Creation came out of, of that, of the night. And you can, as you listen to the lyrics, you can hear it's about kind of the moon rising and then showing itself in its fullness and then kind of sinking back down into the waves of the, the black night. But it's also about, you know, being open to channels of creation, of, of creativity and of life. And so you can enjoy channels of creation. Beautiful. So we'll be right back after channels of creation. Stay with us, folks.
All right. Well, that was beautiful. So then you moved Thank on you. to the next album, which is uh, uh, mostly, well, it's, it's all mantra music, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And uh, which then led to this latest project that you have going on, whole project from a song. Uh, and I know it was one of Gene's favorites so far. Yes, <laughs> yes, definitely. Well, I oh, it is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. There's something in me that speaks often in defense of our mother. Not so much in defense of, but um, you know, just a I. I have a lot of appreciation, and this is why I'm not going to say in defensive, because I don't think she needs to be defended. She's far too powerful for that. But I have a lot of appreciation for the global movement right now to give back to her as much as she's given to us. And your song really, really hit home with that. It was like, this is humanity waking up saying, wow. Ooh, we really screwed that up, huh? Okay. I'm sorry. Thank you. Forgive me. I'll do better. So it it really hit to the core of a lot of the stuff that I do on a personal level as far as my writing goes um, and with, you know, our latest film project and, and a lot of the work that we do on the radio show. So it really, it really hit home for me. And I'd love to know, how did you bring that one to life and um, how did you come up with the project? Well, again, you know, this was really um, a, a moment of grace. Um, two years ago or a year and a half ago during the oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico, um, I was heartbroken, as many, many people were, over what was happening, all this oil spilling into the ocean and, these, you know, environments of, you know, uh, marine life is being affected and people's uh, work was being affected. I mean, thousands, millions of people's lives were being um, affected by choices that we as human beings had made about drilling for oil and and the way in which we went about it. And uh, I was watching a video of a man who was in a helicopter um, showing at the time he was saying, hey, this is really what's going on. Um, I don't know if people are really knowing the impact that this oil spill is having on uh, this this part of the world. And so he was showing whales breaching in methane gas and dolphins jumping and dying basically midair because of all of this chemicals and um, the effects of what that spill was having upon their lives. And I just burst into tears. I was totally heartbroken and um, and felt frozen in the sense that I didn't know what I could do. You know, um, I say this a lot in our shows. I, you know, should I cut my hair and send it down there because they were collecting hair to clean up, you know, absorb oil. And I thought, okay, I have long hair, but that's not going to do much. Um, should I go down there and you know, volunteer to clean up? And Howard looked at me and said, you know, Ina, write a song. And um, 
at the time, the Ho'oponopono prayer was really circulating the Internet. And um, I have lived and spent a lot of time in Hawaii and um, actually got my master's degree in indigenous science over in Maui, working with medicine people and indigenous elders. So my relationship to earth-based ways of knowing has been very supported and deepened by my work and also by ancient practices and prayers. So the Ho'oponopono prayer is about, you know, people who are listening who don't know the prayer, I'm sorry, forgive me, I love you, thank you. And this was, I I sat down and wrote the song that night. Uh, Howard and I recorded it that night, next night. Um, and he helped me straighten out some of the lyrics. And, um, you know, it was really, again, one of those moments that it just came through so powerfully. And um, and I knew that the answer for me with what was happening in the oil spill wasn't the oil spill because there's it seems like there's just powerful, tragic moments happening almost every day, you know, with the tsunami, with, uh, wars happening with, you name it, there's something going on. And it really came home to me that the answer was to go within and see my part in the oil spill, that it's not, you know, their fault or someone else's action. It's my it's my participation. And that I knew how powerful is the Ho'opono prayer was um, to me and how real it is um, and as, as a tool for healing and forgiveness and transformation. And so um, during the recording of the song and subsequent working on it, um, Howard and I were really um, confronted with the power of the song and were given a lot of opportunities to put the song into action, I mean, put the prayer into action and and we were uh, just shown how transformational it really is. And so we're actually um, about to release a, a video for this song. And because the song came as a gift, we felt like we wanted to give back. So we're giving 50% of the proceeds of the song to um, a nonprofit, The Water Project. And the other 50% is going into our project, which came out of this song, uh, The Earth Prayer. We call it The Earth Prayer Project, and we're in the process of writing a few more songs to work with nonprofits as well. So the other 50% of the proceeds of the song goes back to our project so that we can continue to write more songs um, that support really great projects that are already in the works and um, doing good things on the planet. And there's literally thousands of them. Exactly. This, this is the most. This is the most moving and powerful thing to me. Um, when we think about things like the oil spill, it's not to dwell, like you said, on the oil spill itself. Um, but for me, what, what was really powerful and moving that came out of that was how many people band together, came together and started coming up with innovative and creative solutions to clean this oil up and how many people, you know, dropped, like literally dropped what they were doing and and went to volunteer or raise funds or, or whatever had to be done um, 
and you really see in times like that the capacity for human beings to not just love and support each other, but to love and support the planet. Yeah. Uh, and well, it's it expression of our inner what's happening on the outside is happening on the inside. What's happening, you know, as within, so without. So that's why this prayer was so powerful because I knew that, like you said, the oil spill was one of many narratives that are happening on this planet because of the narrative that's happening within. If I don't love myself, if I don't forgive myself, if I don't let go of shame and guilt, if I don't take action in, in my gratitude and love and go through those steps, then I can't be of full service and I can't be as awake to my um, expression of these gifts and action. So, you know, I think many people saw that we're still recovering from the Exxon Valdez spill in Alaska, you know, and that was, what, 15 years ago? Longer, mm-hmm. 20 years ago, not even more, maybe. But, um, you know, we're still recovering, and they said the impact of the spill is we can't even fathom. So that can be depressing when we think about it, like you said. And at the same time, it's sobering uh, in a healthy way, I think, to say, hey, we can't keep taking these actions. We've got to take other steps. And how do we take other steps when we're still stuck in anger or greed or um, doubt or confusion? We can't. It's often, um, to me, it's like watching a bug try to get through a window, you know hit the window, bounce off, hit the window, bounce off, hit the window, bounce off. And it's it's almost, um, I, I remember, I remember how upset and, and pained people were. Um, but it almost gets to a point where it's, it's kind of comical because it's like, wow, okay, we've been here, we've done this and now we're doing it again. Oh, good. Um, yeah. But I think that every single time it happens, uh, that level of awareness raises up, you know, that much higher. And more people become involved with and become aware and start seeking solutions, not just without and not placing blame. But as you said, looking within, what can I do as an individual to make a difference? Okay, do we need two cars? Go down to one car. Do we need a five-bedroom house you know we we can live with a three um little things uh do i need to drive there can i walk tiny little steps that we can take as individuals well and awareness too when these latest greatest going to be the savior of our nation you know projects and the united states is not alone in that uh, although we get it a lot um, but, you know, when it comes to fracking and tar sands and pipelines and things, people are going, wait, 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 this could turn out badly. Let's stop and think about this. Whereas before they were sort of rubber stamped and brushed under the rug. Yeah, because nobody had a clue what what the impact could be. But now people are aware and they're following it and they've really stepped into the truth of their power, especially in the last couple of years. They've realized if we speak out, we can actually stop this stuff from happening. Um, and and it's incredible to watch the transition. 
Yeah, because the the companies uh, and and uh, in the big media outlets are still saying how safe this you know this is going to be the safest project we've ever built. <clears throat> and well, that's a good thing because the last one leaked twelve times in the last eight months. You know, but they don't think we're looking or I. Wow. Um, but it is becoming obvious, and I think it's because people are just becoming more aware, and uh, it's inner work like you can do with the uh, Ho'oponopono uh, that has gotten us there. So, uh, what a great, what a great response to uh, to what was perhaps foreseeable, but certainly a tragedy uh, for man and beast. Well, you know, I think. I think more and more people are are getting inspired or being inspired to speak out, um, despite the fact that they may not think um, it makes a difference. Because the internet and globalization of communication has made it so much easier for people to find other like-minded people, and so the desire to speak out and be heard um, is is strong and. That speaking out is causing all kinds of changes. I don't necessarily think that people are are more conscious necessarily than they were. I think they're actually getting more truth because they're getting more perspectives by the worldwide media as opposed to getting corporate promotion or political um, positioning or social um, adjustment of the media so that people don't get panicked. When, in fact, if people don't panic when they see something tragic happen, um, human beings tend to be at their best when tragedy happens. They show up. And so I think that's what's happening is people are having, are having more, more of an opportunity to show up in more and more ways that they feel empowered to do. And they feel heard and seen. And they feel like it's having an effect. Yeah. And there's more accountability, too. You can't say something and have it be missed on the news. It's all over the internet in one second, or, or or the Twitter sphere. You know, it's like, yeah. Yeah, I, I enjoy laughter, and uh, was watching a blooper reel the other day, and like half of the things in there, it was news people, uh, you know, making mistakes, and half of them in there were like, oh great, this is going to be on YouTube tomorrow. So <laughs> it's it's, oh, yeah. it's almost become part of the culture now. You just do something weird or. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, every time I trip over my own feet walking the dog, I think, wow, somebody got a what, cell phone camera around here. Some, because there is, there's, if there's a, not on Facebook, <laughs> right? There's a, wanna, there's a video camera in everybody's hand almost anymore on their phones. Mm-hmm. So uh, nothing's, uh, nothing's too far from being put onto the uh, center stage, and. Uh, but yeah, I think it's time that we get over the spoon feeding of the big news to keep people from panicking. Because a society that doesn't have at least a little urgency, maybe more than panic, but uh, when something like the Horizon disaster happens in the Gulf, uh, there's something wrong with that. To me, um, yeah. I mean, I used to be in that industry. I left under protest over a decaying safety culture. Wrote letters, you know, but and 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 personally knew one of the fellows that blew up that day. Um, but they had told people that they could handle that if it ever happened. 
and 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 it just turned into nothing can happen uh, because they started breaking regulations and things when I was there. I saw them. I'm not uh, so I only know about one rig in one spot. I can't say, speak for the industry, but uh, I know what they were doing there. We the, my when I first started, we had regulatory bodies that that scared the industry. You know, I could say, listen, this is what our uh, classifying body says we have to do. And the budget item was immediately approved. It was immediately implemented, and off we went. And the year that I left, I told that same line that had worked for so long to uh, one of the rig managers from shore. And, And he said, listen, we pay those people to classify our rig. They'll do what we tell them. And, uh, and I was gone not long after that because, um, I thought they were going to flip one over. I didn't think they'd blow one up, but it's the same difference. Same difference, essentially, isn't it? I mean, it has the same effect. Yeah. And every time you start to ignore all the other parts of the system except the money, you can give it up. Whatever industry you're in, you're headed for a crash. Um, so anyway, enough of that. Talking about the crash, let's talk about the. Uh, well, well, let's play the song. Let's talk about the healing of crash. And uh, mm-hmm. and everybody can uh, follow along. I'll. Uh, we have uh, we have a link for lyrics here. I think. Well, the last link for lyrics I put up. If you just scroll down to the bottom of the page, there's the lyrics for Earth Prayer. So we'll be right back, folks. Stay with us. Yeah. 
us, our mother's womb, to those above and below us, to the seen and unseen, those who have walked before and after, we ask your assistance to live simply. Please forgive us, for we know not what we do, and we thank you for all your help. Definitely felt otherworldly, um, and at the same time, deeply earth-based. Um, you know, uh, I'm a Capricorn, and some someone told me that being a sea goat, you you bring the depths of the sea and the heights of the ocean of the mountains together on the shore. And sometimes I feel that when I'm writing songs, I go into the depths of my soul, and at the same time. I can hit really ecstatic, um, blissful experiences and somehow how to bring those two together into a, a, a way to communicate a message um, that's accessible, you know, um, is, is the dance. And, um, and definitely, you know, many, many have walked before uh, who have carried that that um, ability and have passed that on to us, you know, that we are standing on the shoulders of our elders and here because of them and learning to expand ourselves more because of the work they laid before us. So I feel like in many ways, you know, there's so much to remember and there's so much to um, to express and to put into action, you know, and, uh, and without forgetting to love and forgive ourselves in the process. <laughs> right. Well, we are it so is. good at being hard on ourselves, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shame and guilt and self-criticism is is an easy one, is easy beast to feed, but um, not necessarily uh, a sustainable way to go <laughs> in of terms the, of life supporting. <laughs> of the two wolves inside, it's not their best one to feed. Easiest one to feed, but not right. the best one to feed. Exactly. Yeah. Requires major vigilance and um, you know, to to acknowledge when it comes up. And, and even with, same with anger, you know, I think anger is such a 
um, an interesting emotion. It can be so useful and powerful for change and transformation, and it can also be used for destruction and um, and breaking down. You know, this friend of mine said once, uh, you know, it takes hundreds of years to grow a forest and cut it down in one day. You know, so it's important, I think, for me anyway, and, and, and Howard and I are learning this with our music and just traveling and, and in some ways being um, ambassadors of sound and healing um, within our own lives and in, in the music that we share, that um, we need to be alert and awake more than ever because doubt and confusion, self-criticism, it's easy for those to take over when we can look around at life and see different things that are happening that are destructive. And, and there's also a lot of positive and powerful, beautiful things happening. So it's yeah, all plenty. there in the mix. You just kind of see which one you're you're looking with the eyes of it. Uh, uh, right. It, it, it's it's odd because I almost get excited now when I get angry because <laughs> I, well I'm like ooh something's ooh something's going to shift because I know right. to take that and look at okay but why does that make me angry <laughs> and yeah, no, that's- because that's different than I want to change that that's not okay on my planet let's change that that's different than angry angry's always inside I've and and so I get excited. People would think I was crazy, but I do. I get excited when I get angry. Well, I'll hear you. I think anger, like I said, anger can be used in such a powerful, creative, transformational, healthy boundaries, um, healthy conversation and communication and expression. You know, I mean, I think part of how Earth Prayer was written was that I was sad. I was also angry. You know, the, the whales and the dolphins didn't ask for that to happen. They were just on their migratory patterns or swimming in their own home. They didn't ask for us to come in and do that, you know. So I was angry at, at, at me as a human race to do this to, you know, the marine life. And, and at the same, so that, that anger and frustration and helplessness created a song that was beautiful. I could have sat there and stayed in the frustration and put it inward or or blame someone, find the blame of, you know, oil companies or corporate America or whatever it is, you know, or not, or hippie America, you know, it's all of us. It's not anyone, you know, I say that about Occupy. The conversation will be complete when it's 100%, not 1% or 99%. But right. all of us, all having conversations. Yeah, all of these emotions... Um, are really important to acknowledge, you know, our reaction to what's happened. And um, from that, our response can then be action. You know, if anger fuels action to do something positive, it's a beautiful thing. If sadness is fueling um, the desire to take action to, to change something uh, for the better, then it's, it's truly powerful. Oh, absolutely, and it it it's something that uh, I'm I'm pleased to see. I I think I see folks getting over it, but so many people in the spiritual movement or the new thought movement or light workers or it it, it somehow seemed for a while to sort of get to that 
Well, not supposed to have any negative emotions. I must keep my positive emotions and and and. <clears throat> Bullshit. Yeah, that. Um, I don't want to get <laughs> I don't want to get too far down the path. I'll get my partner up on her soapbox. No, not today. Well, I'm, I'm too peaceful. I'm too peaceful because of the song that we just listened to. But normally, yeah, I would I would get up on my soapbox for sure because I think it's ridiculous um, to be here having a human experience and to not embrace all the emotions that come along with that. However, we must always remember that, you know, we control our emotions. And as long as we can take our emotions as we feel them and examine them and have something positive come out of them, then we should embrace them, not shy away from or be scared of our emotions. Fear of our emotions is just so silly. It's just... Yeah. It brings up the it's all good, too, which is it's not all good. No. <laughs> if it's all... It, that is not something that's all good that happened there. But we can do better, so let's, you know, as opposed to if you're just trying to hold that anger at bay and it's all good, it's all, man, you're going to bomb somebody someday or blow yourself up or, <laughs> wow, let's stop that, you know. Have a heart attack, stroke, you know. Because really this, this world is big enough for everybody to all sort of hang out and do what they want to do. And the Internet sort of we're collecting in a different way in community. Instead of the accident of geographic birth, we're finding our vibrational community. And and uh, so then everybody has an easier time getting along, you know. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to be alone. <laughs> oh. <clears throat> uh, no, that's another soapbox. So, wow. But I did say big enough. And um, <laughs> I, I did work that in there. But it, but it's true. It is big enough for everybody, and it can provide all of our needs without having to be abused. Uh, we just have to work with Earth instead of against. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, one of the songs that we sing, as you said, big enough, and also our mantras, we really, um, you know, honor all of these different traditions and approaches to um, spirit and to creator and, and acknowledge and recognize that there is wisdom and truth in many in all of these traditions, and we can come together, you know, outside of them and and go beyond um, our dogma and reach together as a community to make change. That I think is is where we're. I think we're in that place in time right now. I think so. I think uh, we're all uh, tired of looking at the few differences and we're discovering how many similarities there are mm-hmm. in all of uh you know philosophy thought living mostly in living that whole putting on pants one leg at a time thing um <laughs> you know politician comes along and says we these people over there are bad we must go and kill them and punish them and you, go, and you go, no, I was just talking to my friend over there the other day. He's trying to get tickets for a movie. What He doesn't, what, evil, what are you talking about? <laughs> and that's what happens when everybody communicates is you don't get those misunderstandings. You still get misunderstandings between individuals, but there's the rest of the community to go, no, 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 you just misunderstood. It's like this. And then everybody calms down. And uh, so it is a uh, an amazing thing, and 
and amazing when people do stop to stop to think as opposed to just react like you said to then then come up with a response yeah that is life <laughs> so now let's tell our uh, let's tell our listeners we are getting well we're at time but fortunately we always program in a little extra because <clears throat> we know that I talk too much um Let's tell for our podcast listeners, we put your links up in the chat room. They'll be up on the archive on our website after the show tonight. But for our podcast listeners that aren't near a screen right now, uh, where can they find you guys on the web and uh, learn more about your music and learn more about uh, the Earth Prayer, Prayer Project? Yeah, thank you. It's um, Well, you can go to enavie.com. That talks about the V music and a little bit about Earth Prayer Project. And then you can go to earthprayerproject.com, and that talks about, um, you know, the song and the inception of the song and and our our mission and vision of, of being in service to that. And uh, and then our production company and, and uh, is, is Axis Mundi Entertainment, A-X-I-S-M-U-N-D-I Entertainment at Oh, dot com. <laughs> and you can find our contacts and connections at all of the different websites. Um, and you can all find us on Twitter and Facebook and come join, stay in the conversation. We love communicating with new friends and fans. Fantastic. Well, I want to thank you guys for joining us tonight. Uh, folks, they have tremendous music. I know the folks in the chat room have been uh, uh, giving love over for the music tonight. Um Go check them out on the web, and uh, this, we certainly loaded more songs than I, 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 was, I feared we wouldn't get, be able to play them all. But because we love, well, we love the backstory so much too, though you know. Yeah. Well, it's always important to find out where where it comes from. You know, I mean, I think that's part of the whole the whole change in dynamics of of that interactive relationship that people have with artists now is that you can actually have that dialogue with them to find out where where the creative energy came from, how the journey began, so to speak. That's really cool. Very cool. Well, thank you so much um, for having us as your guests, and we really enjoyed being on your show, and um, we really appreciated the support. So we wish you the best with future radio podcast well, thank you very much you two stay on the line um, after the credits roll because we'd like to talk to you briefly about something and say thank you very much for coming on um, okay. to our listeners uh, y'all know where to find us Facebook uh, everydayconnection.me um, changemakers the movie dot me <laughs> it's, it's all, all about, about me, me. Um, you know that we love you special shout out tonight for Amatius Mateus who is is usually with us tonight but not been able to be with us tonight because he just got back from the hospital but I did send him the earth song the earth prayer song um, via Skype while the radio show was going on so we should see him next week but we we know that he'll be listening to the archives. This is me saying we love you. Yeah, feel better soon. Feel better. Be well. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, y'all join us uh, next Tuesday. Would be Valentine's Day. <gasps> Valentine's Day show. Yeah. And uh, we're having Justin Blackburn with us. Yeah. Uh, and I will have wine. And uh, <laughs> well, and his website is uh, JustinBlackburnLovesYou.com. So that seemed right to have on Valentine's Day. He, he's going to be the perfect Valentine's Day guest. He was actually very excited about doing a Valentine's Day show. Um, so that's you know we always love that. And uh, once again, Inabi.com. Go check them out, folks, and we'll uh, we'll see you on Tuesday. Until then, stay connected. Bye. Join Rick and Jean again next time. Until then, visit their website at everydayconnection.me and be sure to like their Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash everydayconnection. Worried you might miss an episode? Don't worry. Subscribe. Find us on iTunes by searching for Everyday Connection Radio. Subscriptions are free, just like your Everyday Connection. So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life, the only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question, how do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details.